In today's show, we look ahead to Friday in the NBA, all of the action, the streaming options, the injury reports, what we're watching for, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked on Fantasy Basketball, your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We've got eight games on on Friday, so we're going to dig into those right now. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The first game is the Hornets and the Pistons. The Hornets are on a back-to-back. Ubre will be out. We know that. I'm going to guess that Gordon Haywood doesn't play. They've been keeping his minutes down since he returned from his injury. It is a back-to-back. He's listed, well, he looks like he's available for Thursday. So I'm going to guess that he doesn't play on Friday. That's a guess. That's why I'm putting him doubtful there. But I don't know that. So just watch that one. And Cody Martin, look, at this point, I'm just going to rule him out every game until he returns. I don't know if he'll be back, when he'll be back. Um, with this knee soreness, again, that they give us no updates on, I don't expect him to play. Corey Joseph's going to miss... Um, the game, he's out. I don't know why I've listened to him question. Well, he's actually out. Corey Joseph and Marvin Bagley is out as well. Of course, this is after that Pistons game got postponed. So it's the first time we've seen them back since then. So the Hornets side of things, yeah, it's a back-to-back. We'll watch a lot of that stuff on Thursday and just mainly waiting to see what happens with Jalen McDaniels if Haywood is out. For the Pistons, I do want to watch the big man in the middle, Jalen Duran. The passport legend has been a little bit Annoying, not his fault, but because they're now playing Isaiah Stewart 21 minutes off the bench, Duran doesn't play 31. And that's really frustrating. When you can always find a guy that's not an NBA starter level player, you've got to limit your young 19-year-old center. Like that's just, it's in the NBA rule book. You've got to do it. When you can limit the better prospect for a middling prospect who's not very good, always take that chance. Always do it. And Dwayne Casey follows the rules. What can I say? He's, he's a rule follower. He's, he's a legend like that. So I'm really worried a little bit. I'm not worried about Durant, but I'm worried about the upside, the ceiling level of him. I think it's being brought down by stupidity. Speaking of stupidity, Killian Hayes will come off the bench again. Last game, he got good minutes. That's because Jaden Ivey played 21 minutes due to foul trouble. So what is Hayes' role? Is it 27 minutes and closing the game still, or is it 22 minutes coming off the bench? Because if it's 22 minutes again, piss him off. But I will hold until the deadline in case they do trade Alec Burks. But this... Seriously, whatever you think is a common sense move, Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver will do the opposite. You think they should cash in Boyan Bogdanovich for an unprotected first? Weaver says no. All right, mate. Should they have traded Jeremy Grant last season? Sure, they should have. Then they got back like the 28th pick in the draft. And then somehow, because the Knicks are their own dumbness, they were able to trade that terrible first round pick for Jalen Duren. Like none of this stuff ever makes sense. Should they trade Alec Burke? Sure. Should they be starting him? No. Will they change either of those things? I've got no idea. Nothing about what the Pistons do make any sense. So hold Killian Hayes. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in this game. But it's not looking good at the moment, which is always frustrating. Blazers and the Wizards. I'm going to go ahead and say that Nurkic isn't going to play in this game. 
I don't know that for sure. We don't have an update on his calf injury, but he left the game in a walking boot. He's had multiple calf issues over the last week. He's not playing. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. In fact, I'd be pretty surprised if Nurk played in the game on Saturday as well. They've got a Friday, Saturday back-to-back on the road trip. Maybe there's a chance he plays in the Monday game, but I'm very, I'd be very, very surprised if Nurk was able to go and play in both of these games. So that means, um, obviously, that Drew Eubanks is going to be the option there. Winslow will be out. Anthony Gill will be out. Jeremy Grant left last game with concussion-like symptoms. He said after the game, I don't have a concussion. So we expect that he plays, but I'm just going to list him questionable for now. So on the Blazers, we do want to watch Drew Eubanks. Is Drew Eubanks going to blow us away? No. But he's played 20 minutes in four consecutive games. He can get two blocks really easily. He can get a double-double. He can be a high field goal percentage player. So for now, he's a really strong option. I don't believe Yusuf Nurkic is getting traded. I don't believe the Blazers are making a permanent change and starting Eubanks over Nurkic. I don't believe those things will happen, but it doesn't actually matter whether you believe or don't believe in those things because Nurkic is likely going to be out and Eubanks is going to start, so grab him. In deeper leagues, the guy we watch for there is Trenton Watford, especially if Grant is out because he'll get back up four and back up five minutes. And if Eubanks gets in trouble in terms of fouls, then Watford will take over and get center minutes. And he can be a 12-team league guy, but it's probably more a 14 to 16-team league player. I also want to watch Josh the Hitman Hart, whose last game was dreadful. It was really, really bad. I'm finding it really hard to determine where he fits. In a points league, I don't think you need to bother with him in 12s. In a category league, it's really borderline. But like so many players like Ben Simmons, we talked about on the Mailbag Show with Kingy earlier today, is that... They fit a very specific team. Low points, but great out-of-position rebounding. Gets you a couple of assists, some defensive stats. But it's not good for everybody. So for some people, he's a great guy to have. For others, he's completely useless. And you've got to make make out or figure out whether where you fit in that spectrum. For the Wizards, we didn't get to see this last time, so we watch it again. Dan Gafford is back. So what does that mean for Avdia? What does that mean for Gafford? What does that mean for Kispert? How do the minutes shake out? Gafford needs 25 probably to be a 12-team league player. Avdia does need 30, and I'm not even sure that 30 will always get it done. Last game was really good for him, 80% shooting. Not going to be something that's realistic. So how does the usage, how do the minutes, how does all of that playing time and rotation shake out between Avdia and Gafford? Because this is the first time we're seeing Avdia, Gafford, Porzingis all play together since Hachimura has been traded. We've seen it plenty of times before, don't get me wrong. And in those games, Avdia was nowhere near a 12-team league player. But we haven't seen it since Hachimura has been traded. Has that changed Denny's mindset? Maybe. But we need to see it, don't we? Before we can fully um, lock that in. Kings and Pacers. This is a back-to-back for Indiana. So does Halliburton not get the revenge game? We'll find out. Halliburton should play Thursday. I don't think that he plays in this one, but we don't know. So I'm going to list him doubtful. Um, on the Kings side of things, Keegan Murray was terrible last game. I still think he's very, very heavily reliant upon his shot and for points and threes, whereas the rebounds have been up. I don't trust anything else about his game. I think he is a 12-team league player at the moment, but really just a back-end player. And then the next, the biggest question, I think, with the Kings is Malik Monk versus Kevin Herter because it's been Monk the last two games very clearly. And when Monk gets on a hot streak, you probably do want to grab him and then ride it out. And then when he cools off, you move on. And Herter is a little bit like that as well. He's had some very hot streaks and some very cold streaks. And we are in one of the biggest cold streaks that he's had all season. Kevin Herter, much like, I guess, the opposite of Josh Hart. He'll give you points and threes. He doesn't really do anything else. So if you don't really need those numbers and he's in a cold streak, then you know, we start got to start getting ruthless and really structuring our teams in to how they're supposed to look. And you can have a look in a points league where his fantasy points lie. Like if he's two points higher, three points higher than the waiver wire player on average this season, there's no point holding through cold streaks. You drop, you move on, you get someone else to stream in. That's where the value ends up coming from in those sort of, or making those sort of moves. Whereas like, I know he's a locked in starter, but it doesn't matter if you're a locked in starter playing 20 minutes a night with fluctuating performances. 
yeah, every second game. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences that you need to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data, by using insights from your job post, your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify those candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. And it's easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The next game is the Suns and the Celtics. Look at that spread for a Suns-Celtics game. Minus 10, Boston is favored by. Minus 10. I know the Suns just got absolutely ass-kicked by the Hawks last game, but that is a big, big margin. Devin Booker will be out. Landry Shamit will be out. Cameron Payne will be out. And Marcus Smart will be out. So obviously some significant injuries on both sides of the ball. What we do want to watch is um, on the, the Suns side of things is, is Cameron Payne because he has obviously been struggling in the last two or three games. Minutes well down. We will see... The most important thing with him is is the shot and and whether that goes in or not. But also, um, yeah, what's the playing time look like? Because it didn't look great in those two games as there was some thought or some talk that they'd gone a little bit hard on the minutes earlier and his body was struggling to um, deal with it. And this is a first of a back-to-back for Phoenix. So you're going to have a zero coming up somewhere here for campaign. Oh, not for campaign. We, you are going to have for campaign, but a zero coming up for Cam um, Johnson because you're not he's not likely to play in that game uh, coming up against the Pistons. So that that's going to be something to pay attention to and something we're going to have to um, watch and you're going to have to um, you know in terms of valuing him. Now, I still think that Cam Johnson is a 12-team league guy and I don't really have uh, too many concerns uh, about that, but it is still something that we need to deal with in this short term with the, the, the problems with his game at the moment. Chris Paul was on my buy low, uh, sell high show the other day and then put up probably one of the worst games he's ever put up. He will be um, better than that, but we got to see where it sort of settles in after a couple of really quite poor performances. Or sorry, after one really poor performance. For the Celtics, I want to watch Derek White, but also how it looks with him and Malcolm Brogdon. Who gets the big minutes? Because it's been Brogdon, 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 and then last game it was White, making me go, I don't even know. Right, Both guys, you roster until Smart is out, and I think in the end, White will become that drop. But we're going to honestly just consistently watching to see if there's anything we can determine about how they're going to play those guys. Still a lot of consternation about Rob Williams. He had 16 and 9 with two blocks last game in 19 minutes. I think he's okay. And I think a lot of the panic about it is completely unfounded. He will be okay. He has been okay. He's 52nd over the last week. But a lot of people, I don't know what they, I don't know what they're wanting. I honestly don't know what people are expecting from him. But we'll watch it again. We'll watch the playing time. We'll watch how he looks on the court. That is important, and we hope we get a little bit more in terms of defensive stats. But I'm actually okay with the way things are trending. Sixers and the Spurs. The Sixers are nine and a half point favorites here against San Antonio. We know that Vassell will be out. The Sixers only have Embiid on the injury report. That's just going to happen every game. That just a, he just got put on there now. Um, but for the Spurs, it is more important to look at things because we know Vassell is out. But last game, Jeremy Sohan and Trey Jones both left. 
didn't return. And Romeo Langford has now been questionable for four straight games. Missed all of them after they said he'd be out a long time and then listed him questionable. And I'm going to continue to go on about that because it's annoying. Um, now, if these guys are out and they're big, they're big names that they're out, there's going to be stuff to pay attention to. We'll start with the sixes. I want to watch DeAnthony Melton, who played 20 minutes last game. He's really hard to hold. Right? In a head-to-head league, it is hard to hold dealing with this. But understand that if someone sits out, and I do think there's a massive chance Embiid sits his game out, to be honest, that you will get extra minutes come from Melton, and he'll be useful. I don't know why Embiid, with a foot issue that he's listed every single game against a team as bad as the Spurs, that they'll bother playing him. I, I don't... Not that they'll bother. He's legitimately hurt. So I don't think he plays. So I think it's worth holding Melton at least through this. But last three games, 23, 21, 20 minutes. Bad. Of course, the games before that... 30, 31, 34. So that's that's the conundrum with Melton, with the wave pull. He's holding through the bad to get to the good. And I reckon this might be a good. I also want to watch George Nyang, who played 29 minutes last game. Now, Nyang's normally stuck around the 20-minute mark, but if Embiid is out, his minutes will push up. And if you're looking for three to four triples, that's what he provides. So just keep an eye on that Embiid situation. That does really boost Nyang. On the Spurs side of things, with Sohan and Jones in doubt, I think it is worth grabbing Josh Richardson. It probably only needs one of those guys to miss for Richo to play 28 minutes to be a 12-team league player. Long-term, I don't really see that for Josh, but in the short-term, there's something. Long-term, it's Malachi Branham that I'm interested in. He played 32 minutes last game. He's got a solid 22, 23-minute-a-night role happening at the moment with some talk that they maybe give him 29 minutes a night down the stretch. I've heard that from some Spurs people. And that's something to watch. Now, last game, he shot like 70%, but handling the ball a little bit, he can be a good efficiency scorer. He can be a high usage scorer. I'm a little worried about what else he brings, but there could be some minutes going his way. So we're watching him not really to stream, but if Sohan and Jones are out, he is in the stream zone. Um, but for Branham, we're more watching to see how he looks. Is there something extra he adds to his game in anticipation that in three to four weeks, he might actually be a full-time starter? That's something I would watch. The Magic and the Wolves. The, oh, I should have, what am I doing? It's the Orlando Magic. The Wolves are five and a half point favorites here. We know that Towns is out, McLaughlin is out, a KK will be out. And then of course, we've got whatever it is that's going on with Rudy Gobert and his groin, where it was just a questionable every game you returned um, and then didn't play. I don't think that it was an aggravation that it's going to cause him to miss Friday's game, but it could. We just don't know. And of course, if Rudy is out, then the Wizard of Noz, Nas Reed, Nas Reed, he's the guy that we add in to stream in, pretty clearly. But also, when Gobert plays, Reed plays 16 minutes. So that's useless. So that makes it a tough guy to just grab and hope, because I do not believe that Gobert is going to sit this game. But I also said that last game, and I was wrong. On the Magic, I do want to watch Jalen Suggs, because last game, big minutes, big steals, good production. I don't think I care about it at this stage. I don't think I care about it. Jonathan Isaac was out, and they didn't replace him with anybody in the rotation. They just gave his 10 minutes to Suggs and to Harris. That's where it went. It wasn't like Terrence Ross came back into the rotation. Isaac was out. The existing players got it. The interesting trend here is Cole Anthony is seeing minutes under 20 for the last two games, helping Suggs get more playing time. Suggs probably needs 30 minutes for me to look at him as a 12-team league player, and I don't really see that happening. But we're going to watch that pretty clearly. Also, Wendell Carter Jr., first game, well, not first game, like he had the questionable tag, played 33 minutes, didn't shoot well, but the minutes were encouraging. I am worried about his foot as we move forward long-term, but I don't think I'm going to hold Mo Bamba. I'm not going to hold Bowl. Um, I might consider Wagner, because I think he would be the guy that benefits if Wendell does miss. But if we're talking short-term, there's nothing there for, for um, Mo. 
For the Wolves, Jaden McDaniels continues to play really good defense, but it doesn't always translate into defensive stats and it doesn't translate into fantasy value. You know my take on him all the way through has been he is not a... Um, uh, point 12, 10 points a player. He's not. There's no point in it. Category leagues, again, it's really dependent on what he brings. I think he is worth a hold because the minutes are there, but there's no real ceiling or upside for him. He doesn't, or there is a ceiling, actually. It's low. He doesn't push past that. He doesn't like, well, players are out. I'm going to take on more usage. I'm going to get more rebounds. He just does the same thing irrespective of who plays majority of the time. I also want to watch Goose Edwards. Not because... He's on waiver wires or anything like that. Um, but because he's like elevating to be a first round sort of player. Is that real? Can we get high efficiency, good defensive stats, assist scoring? It's been the case for a little bit of time here. So let's see if he's able to keep that level of production going. That is what we want to watch with Anthony Edwards. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. There's only one app that you need at your Super Bowl party, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And if we go and have a look on FanDuel, I'm going to assume that the Eagles are still one and a half point favorites. Nothing is budging that money line, but what we can look at is some of their other interesting um, options that they've got here. The Eagles to have four plus rushing TDs, plus 1,300. Miles Sanders to score the Eagles' first TD, and Travis Kelsey to score the Chiefs' first TD, plus one eight plus sorry plus eighteen hundred. That doesn't seem crazy. Just picking first touchdown score for both teams. All that is available over on Fanduel, and the sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join Fanduel today at fanduelcom on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl Fifty Seven. That's fanduelcom on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. The next game that we're taking a look at is the Raptors and the Rockets. The Raptors are six point favorites. In this one, we know that OG Ananobi is out. We know that Kevin Porter Jr. is out. We know that Jalen Green is out for Houston. Um, Jabari Smith left last game with a hip issue, so we'll put him questionable for the moment. On the Raptor side of things, we do want to watch the big sneeze, Precious Achua, because he's been playing really big minutes, 36, 33, 34, and then 25 last game, which is a bit frustrating. We still do want to hold him at least until Ananobi returns slash the trade deadline. Ananobi's name is mentioned 25 times a day in trade rumors. I'm not really buying into any of it as to where he's going and how his value is going to be impacted, but just know that that is out there continually. I think they're more likely to trade Trent, but who knows? So we're running with, with Precious now, and we're going to see where this goes. Also, Fred Van Vliet's rolling at the moment. A big sell-high opportunity because of how well he is shooting, but he is putting together the numbers that we have seen from him in the past. Of course, he's carrying this team on 40 minutes a night, and we've seen how 40 minutes a night impacts someone like Van Vliet in the past, where he missed most of March, I think, last two years, and how it's currently impacting Pascal Siakam, where he just has no energy to do anything defensively. So that is why you want to get off of Van Vliet for top 20 numbers if you can. On the Rocket side of things, well, we do want to watch Tari regular season because last game he put up good numbers. Of course, he only played 19 minutes. And what we want to see is him pushing to 23 minutes a night regularly if Smith and Shangun play, and that literally has never happened. So even last game, when he dominated, he played 19 minutes with Smith missing the final quarter. So if Smith is out, then look, we're really in on Easton here. We, we do want to roster him. 
for the short term, for the schedule, for the absence of maybe Smith, but we're also understanding that it still might top at 22 minutes. It might. And is that enough? Eh, it's really borderline, isn't it? He can be useful. The schedule can work out in his favor, but we need to see what happens. KJ Martin is the more reliable minutes player with Green and with Porter out. He gets 30 a night nearly every night. He's not as good of a category league player, of course, as Eason because he lacks some um, percentage issues or he has some percentage issues and he lacks sometimes in assists and defensive numbers, but he is a pretty solid add at the moment. The Hawks and the Jazz, the last game. The Jazz are one and a half point favorites. Only injuries on the list is Simone Fontecchio is questionable and Micah Potter is out. On the Hawks side of things, we want to watch Anyeka Okongwu, who put up really good numbers last game. That was a complete blowout, so we don't read too much into that. But what we do want to watch with Okongwu is it is a 28 to 20 minute split with him and Capella. He remains just a back end guy in 12 team leagues, but probably someone to hold. I also want to watch DeAndre Hunter, just more to get, like, is he, like, he played 37, 38 minutes the last two games, and then 25 against the Suns. In the past, he'd been like a 31-minute player. If he's a 37-minute player, then that does push him back into 12-team value just through volume alone. He's not going to get big steals or big rebounds or any assists, but just the scoring and the extra five to six minutes pushes him back into that discussion. On the um, Jazz side of things, I think holding Olenek at least through the deadline, not because he's getting traded or other people are getting traded, but because just to see him ramp those minutes back up will be interesting because in 28 minutes, he's a clear 12-team league player. He played 15 in his first game and 20 in his second game back. So how quickly does that ramp back up? I also want to watch Colin Sexton, who played 19 and he hasn't played more than 22 minutes in four straight games, Sexton. And 22 minutes a night for a bloke whose game is not particularly fantasy friendly in Colin Sexton is not someone I want to hold on to. I don't believe Mike Conley gets traded. And if Mike Conley does get traded, Sexton would probably be an ad, but he's not a high, high upside player. He's, he's not. And then we'd have to see if anyone else comes back in that deal. So I want to see Sexton's role. Is it remaining at 20 minutes? And how does his production look in that situation? Quite a few teams got back-to-backs Friday to Saturday. So we look at streaming options. We look at the Wizards guys, Gafford, Avdia, and Delon Wright. All really good ads there. Alec Burks in Detroit is a pretty strong ad as well. Alec Burks. Drew Eubanks, we love, obviously, with um, Nurkic out. Uh, Monte Morris in Washington, too. Onyeka Okongwu in Atlanta. And Killian Hayes in Detroit. Some very strong options there to stream in for the Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. If we're just looking at streaming guys for Friday, again, we start in Washington. Gafford, Wright, Avdia, all good 12-team league guys who are available in 50% plus of leagues. We've got Josh Richardson. We've got Alec Burks. We've got um, Mark Williams, Drew Eubanks. And I do put TJ McConnell on there because I don't expect Tyrese Halliburton to play. And if Halliburton doesn't play, McConnell should get 30 minutes and be an excellent stream for this game. And the Thursday, Friday, Sunday schedule for the Pacers gives McConnell three games in four nights. And like we talk about, if it's one waiver ad and he plays 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, that's 70 minutes in three nights. And that's probably enough for one waiver ad, yeah? That's how we've got to view it. And while he was a good ad, sorry, he was a good drop McConnell at the start of the week when he wasn't playing, good ad for this period of time. Deeper leaks. These guys are available in 90% plus. Torian Prince, Jalen Suggs, Dacian Nix has been playing 20 inexcusable minutes, 20 plus inexcusable minutes, but he's playing them. Gary Harris, Jay Sean Tate, Aaron Neesmith, Tory Craig, and Trendon Watford, who might push up even higher if Jeremy Grant does happen to be out. Points leagues, guys, these are available in all 40% plus of leagues. So Kyle Anderson, Dan Gafford, Jalen McDaniels, with the assumption that Gordon Haywood is out, Avdia, Burks, Jaden McDaniels, KJ Martin, and Derek White. 
And if we look at the next four days in totality, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all of those days are streaming days. I've got five names on here who I think should be added irrespective of schedule. It's Anderson, uh, Jalen, the Bronco Williams, Jaden McDaniels got a nice little boost of value given the opponents and the way things are structured here for the Wolves. Uh, for category, That's more for category leagues and points though. And I've got Jericho Sims on this list. I'm not confident with it, but two games in the next four days, he probably plays 30 minutes in at least one of those. I've only got him projected like 25 minutes a night, and he still comes out as a top 100 player per game over that time. So I'm not super confident on it, but the numbers are in his favor for certain categories. And then Pat Williams with two games in the next four nights also works. And then with the guys we really love adding, though, is Gafford, Avdia, and Delon. Three games, next four nights, really high-value fantasy upside players as well. And they are... Um, they're worth adding. Just that schedule alone makes them someone that we can look at. And then we look, there are a bunch of other teams though who do play uh, three games in the next four nights. We've got the Kings, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Blazers, and the Wizards. So players from that team, whether that is um, Malik Monk, three games in four nights, Tari Eason, three games in four nights, whether that is Alec Burks, three games in four nights, or it is Drew Eubanks or Trendon Watford, three games in four nights in Portland. So all of that, when you're considering short-term ads and drops, always look at what's happening for the three game in four night crew, and that's where you'll find some value. That'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.